0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Barefoot Mediator podcast, news and views from Jane Gunn and guests. In this episode, I speak with Ken Cloak, a fellow dispute resolver and mediator. Ken is also the author of numerous books, including Politics, Dialogue and the Evolution of Democracy, How to Discuss Race, Abortion, Immigration, Gun Control, Climate Change, and other hot topics, and also a recent paper, Some Lessons from the Pandemic. So welcome, Ken. Thank you, Jane. So I guess really, Ken, we should dive straight in and say what an extraordinary time we're living in. And it seems to me that we are as a society as a global society just immersed in conflict of all kinds you know we're trying to deal with a pandemic we're trying to deal with race riots at this very moment we've still got environmental issues burning away and we in the uk are dealing with brexit so we seem to be on so many levels immersed in conflict and yet we're looking for a way through it and I guess that's why in this series I seem to be interviewing a lot of mediators and dispute resolvers trying to find the answers. So I'm just interested to know your thinking and your take on where we are now.
1: Well, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Uh, uh, I think that we are now facing five distinct crises and potentially a sixth.
2: Mm.
1: In the first place, we have a social crisis, which Mm. has been sparked by racism and police brutality in the United States and around the world, Mm. but extending also to violence and discrimination against women, uh, against uh, people with different sexual orientations, against Jews, Muslims, uh, Chinese in the United States, the uh, extent of discrimination around the world. Second, I think we're facing an economic crisis, which has been sparked by the global lockdown, Mm. but extends also to global poverty, to economic inequity, uh, to systematic exploitation around the world. And uh, I think to the prioritization of profits over people. We are also facing a political crisis, particularly in the United States right now, Uh, but a crisis in general, I would say, of democracy having to do with the relationship between authoritarianism and popular participation in democratic governance. We're obviously facing a health crisis sparked by the coronavirus, but this Mm -hmm. also extends to how we are handling Ebola outbreaks and bird flu, to the availability of healthcare uh, around the world, to drug resistance, to Mm -hmm. attacks on the World Health Organization. Uh, And as you indicated, we are finally facing an ecological and an environmental crisis that actually dwarfs uh, all the others uh, in terms of its potential impact on the planet. Um, And this has been sparked by global warming and species extinctions, Mm -hmm. but extends also to air, water, soil pollution, uh, a variety of different issues. And mm. I think what's important for us to realize is that all of these interconnect so that the existence, for example, of racial discrimination makes it harder to solve the healthcare crisis yep. and the ecological crisis and the economic crisis impacts all of them and the political mm. crisis as well. Mm. So that we, it, we can't just solve one of them. We actually have to solve all of them. And this Potentially, could create a sixth crisis, which is a kind of universal, general crisis uh, for us as a species on the yes. planet.
2: Yep, yep. Uh,
1: uh, and there's the last piece of this, which I think is really essential. Uh, what do all these crises have in common? And I think that what they have in common is the need to transform and transcend our approach to problem solving. So that if we think of uh, solving any of these crises, crises nationally,
2: mm. uh,
1: we will not be able to approach any kind of resolution that is global in scope. And yet all of these crises are global. Yes. Uh, so what we require is not lawsuits, mm. not military force. Neither neither of them can help. Uh, And we also can't uh, solve them using diplomacy as we traditionally have used it. In other words, to put it slightly differently, in conflict resolution terms, we need to transition from power-based problem solving.
0: We need to transition from rights-based
1: conflict (laughs) conflict resolution. We need to transition from power-based methods of problem solving, which is military force, Mm -hmm. to rights-based methods of problem solving, which is litigation, Mm -hmm. to interest-based methods, and that's what the book that you mentioned uh, is really about. It's it's uh, an attempt to give a provisional answer to a really important question, which is what would an interest-based form of political conflict uh and uh, an approach to political conflict look like
0: yes and i think the thing we're all interested to know ken is how do we do that you know what does that look like on an individual level what does that look like on an organizational level what does that look like on a national level and then what does it look like on an international level because you know all of us want to say what what should I do? What should I do? What should I implement in my organisation? What should I raise awareness of in any groups that I'm in? How do we, how do we do this? Where do we start?
1: Well, here we have something rather fortunate uh, in our favour, which is that uh, it's what I refer to as the fractal structure of conflict resolution. And by fractal, what that means is self-similarity on all scales. Yes. So an example is a mountain range, which is self-similar on all scales, or a coastline.
2: Mm.
1: So if you uh, take a photograph a million feet up, it, is, it looks somewhat similar to what it looks like at a millionth of an inch. And the same is true for conflict resolution, or to put it in slightly different terms. Mm. Uh, there is something similar between conflicts uh, uh, that take place uh, uh, involving children on a playground and the heads of nation states.
2: Yes, yes, there is.
1: So uh, that part is fortunate. What that means is that we can, uh, with some work required, take what works at an interpersonal level and ratchet it up to Mm -hmm. an organizational level and from there to a national and a global level. Mm Mm. Uh, and then we have to ask, what exactly are these things? And here I think we need to go back to some definitions of conflict that are useful in this time.
0: Yeah, so can, tell us your definitions of conflict, Ken. What, where, where do we start with actually defining what this thing is that we're talking about?
1: Well, I wrote uh, a book called The Crossroads of Conflict. You did, yes. Which, uh, I give, uh, I think, 20 alternative definitions of conflict. Here's the first one which is relevant to the coronavirus, Uh, that conflict is a lack of awareness of the imminence of death or sudden catastrophe. Mm. Mm. Meaning that if we really were aware of how imminent those events could be, we would be less interested in our conflicts or in um, the people who uh, are in conflict with us. Yes. In other words, it's a case of misplaced priorities. It's a lack of um, uh, uh, kind of uh, awareness of how precious life is uh, and how we need to live it so fully um, that there isn't any time. Waste.
0: Yeah, and I think we've forgotten that in the 21st century because we are so comfortable in our existence, or many of us are so comfortable in our existence, that, and, and, and so protected in a way that we have forgotten about the imminence of death and the imminence of crisis, and yet it suddenly hit us in the face right now, hasn't it?
1: So uh, we are all aware of the possibility of illness and death now, yes. and therefore we are one, divided. Mm. Mm. We are all impacted by it individually, and therefore we are many
2: yes. and
1: diverse. Yes. So what we have is a problem that arises in every conflict, which is the relationship between unity and diversity, mm-hmm. the relationship between self and other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the realization that we are all in this together is one important piece of it. Here's another definition of conflict. The sound made by the cracks in a system. A family system, an organizational system,
2: Mm -hmm. a social system, a political Mm. system.
1: That's all it is. And if that is the case, then we want to become very interested in our conflicts because they will tell us what isn't working in whatever system we are operating in. So if we think of conflicts taking place in three fundamental locations, first, internally, inside of us. Second, relationally between us. Mm-hmm. And third, systemically um, uh, as a result of the um, uh, uh, connections that exist invisibly between us at the level of our environment, our, the context of our conflicts, our cultures, yes. our organizational systems. Mm. so what we have to really do is figure out how to address them on all those levels so the conflicts with the police in the united states that are raging right as we speak um there are individual people who have individual conflicts inside themselves over what they should be doing should they be going out and protesting or protecting themselves from the virus or yes yeah uh, you know how sh- how, how do mm. i think about this and uh, what do I believe in? Uh, mm. Relational conflicts between um, African-Americans and whites. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, are, there is systemic racism, uh, which is fundamentally different, which are the ways in which our institutions allow us to pick people who we feel comfortable with. In other words, people who look like us. And we have to extend this beyond racism to sexism and to all the other uh, discriminatory isms. Yes. Uh, Because if there's one group that is excluded, all other groups are potentially excluded. They're in line to be next.
0: Yes, so all of these, although we're dealing with racism currently, you know, we have got all of these issues. And actually, the impact of a virus, as we know, has been discriminatory, hasn't it, on different levels of society. So we have to bear that in mind too. And that has brought, as you say, highlighted some of the issues around health and the virus. So individuals want to know what do we do what should we do and who is going to lead us who are because we're looking we're all of our I feel can all of us are looking now for who's going to lead us where are the leaders and we look to our national leaders and we mostly find them wanting in this in this arena I think um, and so then we have to come back to ourselves and say what do I as an individual need to do to help if i believe that there is a, a different way, and if I believe that perhaps there is a way through conflict, what, what, what would your answer to that be? Uh,
1: I think that what is interesting about the current period in which we are living is the relationship between conflict resolution and democracy mm. on multiple levels. And what's interesting is that they both require a shift in um the way that we lead so if we think of organizations fundamentally uh they are uh they exist at multiple levels here are the levels i think that they exist at first uh there is the level of uh command if mm-hmm. you will that is uh the uh, the organization uh as an effort to respond to crises Uh, by uh, sort of uh, autocratic, uh, highly centralized, hierarchical leadership. And this is useful if you're facing a real crisis. So police commonly organize themselves in this way. Mm -hmm. But once the crisis is over, nobody wants to obey orders anymore. The second is control, uh, which takes the form of bureaucracy. Uh, So command and control organizations are very, very common. The third level is um, management by goals or objectives. And this Mm -hmm. is Peter Drucker and its most managerial organizations where you have a manager who stands over your shoulder and tells you kind of how to operate. But if we ask the question, uh, what can't be managed? Here's a partial list. Trust, caring, Mm caring. Dedicate, mm. creativity, mm. Uh, curiosity, honesty, courage,
2: mm. uh,
1: integrity, wisdom, craftsmanship, perseverance, initiative, collaboration, and none of you can't get any of these things by standing over someone's shoulder and telling them to do it.
0: Nor can you really measure them, Ken. I mean, there's no metric for measuring those things, is there? They either exist or they don't exist. So, yeah, that's fascinating.
1: Yes. So the difficulty is, well, I wouldn't say that they exist or they don't exist. I would say that because that implies that they're digital.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: But instead, I think that they're analog. Yes. Meaning that we continue developing these qualities through life. But what it means is that instead of there being a manager who in theory is good at everything, which can't possibly be the case. Instead, what we require are two things,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is leaders and self-managing teams.
2: Yeah. Yes.
1: So uh, it's, not a, it's not one that replaces one. It's two that replace one. Mm-hmm. But the difficulty is this is more complex. It requires more effort. Mm-hmm. Um, it requires a higher order of skill. And democracy can take place at three levels. There can be an autocratic form of democracy in which people basically remain silent and apathetic and just learn to obey orders and go along with the flow. There can be a procedural democracy, which characterizes most Western democracies, what most of what people call democracies today, including the United States. But this basically consists of a set of skills which are. Uh, am I in favor or am I against? Mm. Um, pro or con? Mm. This one or that one? But a substantive democracy requires a much higher order of skills, which are the skills of participation, the skills of actual problem solving, hands-on problem solving, as opposed to giving it to someone else and then blaming them for whatever it is that they do. Yeah. So I think we are now in these crises because the form of democracy that we have is not adequate to solving those problems and so if we go back to plato what plato in the republic basically says is the for, that it is uniquely democracy that gives rise to authoritarianism hmm. he doesn't i don't think adequately explain why here's my explanation why which is the reason why is because we face conflicts that a purely procedural democracy can't solve and therefore people want a leader who is going to help them find a way through this. And this is where we are now in the world. The a division, a, a big, a gigantic uh, chasm mm.
2: uh,
1: has opened up mm. between authoritarian approaches and participatory democratic approaches, substantively democratic approaches. Yes. And so if we think about what the police uh, and the issue of the police represents, I think fundamentally it represents this, which is what is the form of policing that corresponds to a civilization uh, in which people want to be a part of um, the decisions that are made about their lives? Uh, and the answer is you can't you know, sort of treat that as a military problem any longer but that's how it is treated in the United States. These, uh, the police are at war. Yes. Yeah. They're armed for war, uh, and they look like they're at war. And yes. They like they're at war.
0: And of course, we're going that way slightly in the UK, though we, we tend to follow you a few years later or decades later. So I think what interests me, Ken, about us as mediators is that uh, most of us who are mediators, uh, we've taken the concept of dialogue and also the concept of self-determination. In other words, giving the problem back to the parties and saying, let's, talk about it let's facilitate a discussion about it and let's enable you to come up with the problem that best suits your circumstances rather than us being authoritarian in the way that a judge would or a court would or you know or an organization determining a a grievance or a a complaint so we have we have enabled that approach within a small group of people and I guess what you're saying is we need to help others to understand how that works on a larger scale if we can and you're saying we can do that
1: yes so here are two two more definitions of conflict
2: Mm,
1: mm. Uh, one it's the voice of a new paradigm Mm. wanting to be born Mm. Uh, a new way of operating uh, a a, a new attitude a new approach uh, Mm. that i think is combined is uh, uh, contained in conflict resolution Mm-hmm. That's why I think we have something really fundamental to say about what is happening in the world today.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The second definition is simply a lack of skill at being able to handle a particular kind of behavior. Yes. But here's the difficulty: there is an entirely uh, there is a a higher order of skill that is required if you move from a dictatorship or an autocracy into a procedural democracy. Because mm-hmm. you now have to be able to think about the issues.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a higher order of skill. It takes more work, mm-hmm. uh, it takes more education, more training.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: a vastly Richter scale, logarithmically higher order of skill that is required, or I should say, exponentially higher order of skill that is required in order to actually participate in solving social problems. Mm-hmm. But be, and uh, a last piece of this, which is the problem of what I call social entropy, and we know this relationally. It's much easier to break up a relationship than it is to build one.
2: Mm, mm.
1: Much less work.
2: Mm. Much
1: easier to tear apart an organization than it is to design and construct one. Way fewer mm. hours required to do that.
2: Mm.
1: And the same is true with regard to trust. Um, with regard to uh, consensus building. uh, And therefore, the amount of time and effort that it takes to do what we are talking about is greater. The easiest thing to do, the simplest approach to problem solving is first to deny that there is a problem and second to blame it on someone else.
0: And then let the whole thing fall apart. (laughs)
1: Let the whole thing fall apart and let someone else come in. And build uh, it up again. Uh, or at least uh, go through the same motions again. Yeah. But basically yeah. what we have to do is uh, take responsibility for the world in which we live, yes. uh, all of us, yes. and move together to build consensus uh, and collaboration. Mm. And those are the skills that we exercise in every mediation.
0: Well, Ken, I'm I'm actually, as always, terribly inspired listening to you, because I think what you give me and what I think there is, is hope. There's an opportunity now. There is, you know, all these things have come together at a time which leaves us with space to think and time to process. And there are enough of us, perhaps, who are trained in these skills to be able to, yeah, we hope, (laughs) to be able to encourage inspire others to see a better way of tackling some of these problems so I'm hugely grateful to you as ever for talking to me for being prepared to put this message out there which um, we will keep doing and to say there is a better way you know there is a future and there is a really bright future for us if we can integrate the skills of dialogue at all these different levels of society so ken do you have a a final message you'd like to to give people and and then perhaps just let everybody know where they might find you if they want to know more about you
1: sure uh well the place to find me probably is at uh, www.kencloak.com c-l-o-k-e that's the english spelling Yes, (laughs) yes <laughs> um, and i would say this i would say that if, there's not only hope that something might possibly happen but what we know through conflict resolution is that in hidden inside every conflict is some absolutely gorgeous potential outcome one yes. that just takes your breath away yeah. one that makes you just want to burst into tears mm. and just drop to your knees Yes. Um, and that doesn't happen always and everywhere and with everyone. But it happens often enough for us to understand that this is really what is at stake, mm-hmm. the possibility that we could learn and grow together um and face our problems together. And I think periodically we see that and we know that and we recognize that in each other when we stand outside and applaud the healthcare workers.
2: Yeah.
1: That is the absolutely gorgeous possibility of our existence that is coming into the fore. And the beauty of conflict resolution is that it actually has the possibility of making that magic happen.
0: Ken, thank you. I mean, I'm so inspired. I think what's coming to me out of the podcast that I'm doing are two messages. You know, it's up to us. And let's piece it together. So those key messages, I think, are wonderful. Ken, as always, thank you very, very much indeed for your time. Thank you so much, Jane. Thank you so much for listening to the end of this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please do subscribe to the Barefoot Mediator podcast series. And... If you would like access to my free video series for managing in times of change, challenge and crisis and to download a PDF copy of my book, How to Beat Bedlam in the Boardroom and Boredom in the Bedroom, please go to janegarden.co.uk forward slash video. And the link is also in the show notes. Thank you again and see you next time.